everybody. Yeah, that's a more complicated one, but yeah. Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. If you have yet to sign up for this uh, Seum on Thursday, uh, the link to sign up is aldof.org slash Seum. You can either sign up to attend in person at Mark's house, or you can uh, uh, sign up to get a streaming link to join at that time. Uh, the doors open at 8, program begins at 8.15, um, and, uh, and we will take it from there. As you can see, the blot that are coming up are pretty significant. So today we're going to be learning Daf Pehe, um, and then Pehvav on, what day is it today? Pehvav on Tuesday, and Wednesday is Pehzain. Each of them are Gesund Dapim, with a gentle bracha that the, uh, the last Amud in the Masechta is the entire Daf, which looks pretty pleasant. And then David Merzel will make the seal. So here we go. We are uh, starting toward the bottom of Daf Pei Dalad Amid Beis, and we're going to be learning today in in great part a discussion about Pikuach Nefashos, one that we started yesterday. Mechaben Umafsikin Lamali. We said we're about 15 lines or so from the bottom, 12 lines from the bottom, four fifths of the way down. Mechaben Umafsikin Lamali. It should be pretty obvious. Says the Gemara, Why am I allowed to put out this fire and stop it from? From traveling, says the Gemara, even if the danger, the risk is not here in this field, but it's in another field, it's still allowed. Amar of Yosef, Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Shmuel taught us the following halacha. <clears throat> 12 lines, but from the bottom of the page, we're going to be spending a lot of time analyzing this halacha of Shmuel. We don't look at statistics when we are dealing with pikuach nefesh. When there is a, the risk of a person's life, Numbers are irrelevant. Now, does numbers are irrelevant? 99 out of 100, 999 out of 1,000. Is there a breaking point? Let's see a little bit of the Gemara. We're not going to get that nuance. So says the Gemara, hang on one second. Hey, Chidami, what is the din that Shmuel is saying? When Shmuel says that we're not interested in statistics when it comes to Bikuach Nefesh, what is the scope of his comment? Let's say that you have nine Jews and one non-Jew. In this case, a Kusi is a reference to a non-Jew. That's Ruba Yisrael, who everyone would agree in that case, that uh, that's for sure. That's not what Shmuel's talking about, because that case is obvious. Inami, palga, upalga, let's say it's five and five, five Jews and five non-Jews, that's suffix nefashas lahakil. In a case like that, of course, you're, it's, it's half and half. We, at the very least, we'd say it's a suffix of who might uh, be in the, the bikuach nefesh scenario. That also can't be what Shmuel's talking about. Elodika <laughs> tisha kusim, there's nine non-Jews, Israel echad, and there's one Jew. Hanami pshita, that's also obvious, dahavale kavua, the chol kavua kemechza what is kavua? Kavua is a halacha that when people live in a particular place or when stores are in a particular place, we don't follow regular rules of, you know, a two out of 10, three out of 10, fourth, and we don't do that. We follow the rule of what's called kavua. Kavua means that if all 10 of the apartments in a particular building belong to nine goyim and one Jew, we view each one of those as kavua, as fixed locations, and therefore the following rules, rule applies. The whole kavua Every case of kavua, when the features, when the factors that play into the statistics are fixed, then that's like a case of 50-50. So that also can't be where Shmuel was talking about because all of these cases, even with statistics, are going to be lakula that we're going to violate halacha for the sake of pikuach nefashos. So says the Gemara, eight lines from the bottom of page Daladam and Beis, to answer up Shmuel, how is it that Shmuel holds of this halacha? What's the case? Lotzricha de parush Let's say that yeah, the ten people do live in this particular uh, in this particular building, 
and uh, there's pikuach nefesh, and we don't know who the risk is going to fall upon. So we'd say kavuas kemechza mechza. But what if they leave the? What if they leave this apartment complex and go to another place? So then the rules of kavua fall apart. Then do, do we rely on the regular rules of rov? Because once kavua falls away, once the <coughs> the fixed location. <clears throat> of where people live is no longer applicable because they left their apartment complex. So then the rule is that normally when Kavua falls away, we follow the rule of kol de parish meruba parish. Then we just look at the robe. So says the Gemara, kamash malan, delo halchu, sorry, mahu de tema, you might have said, it's six lines from the bottom, you might have said now that there's no more Kavua because they went to another field, mahu de tema, that we would now follow the next level of rules, no more kavua than we would follow the halachos of kol de parish meruba parish, then any that separates from the pack is going to be like the rove of the pack. And the case was nine non-Jews and one Jew. We should therefore assume that there's only one, one the risk of one Jew, one in 10, 10% risk, says the Gemara, kamash malan de lo halchu So that's the case where Shmuel is able to verify his shita. Shmuel is of the opinion, we don't look at statistics when it comes to pikuach nefesh. At this point, at, uh, from the Gemara, we're not going to see more detail than this, but if the risk is 10% or greater, and there's nothing to discuss, less than that, the Gemara doesn't discuss, but uh, it's a good shayla to look into into the Rishonim. Five lines from the bottom, the Gemara says, Aini, is that really true that we don't look at statistics when we talk about pikuach nefesh? We just ignore them blindly, and even if there's a minute risk, we're going to violate halacha. Says the Gemara, Amar Rav Asi, Amar Rav Yochanan. Rav Yochanan said, Tisha kusim v'Yisrael echad chatzer. If you have nine non-Jews, and you have one Jew living in a particular courtyard, and the building falls, mefakhin, we do move around all of the, the bricks and all the rubble to find people, whatever is necessary to be done. However, if everybody moves, let's say that all of the 10 people, nine non-Jews and one Jew live in, field, live in apartment one, live in building one, and they move, they go across to building two, and building two falls down on the 10 of them. So then in those cases, what should we expect? We should have expected the Chiddush that Shmuel taught us, that statistics don't matter. Yet what do we see here? Says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom, you're not allowed to move the rubble. So we see from here, from Rav Yochanan, that we do care about statistics. So says the Gemara, that's a contradiction in terms. You can't, well, it could be a machlokesh mul and Rav Yochanan, but it can't be that, uh, that, that, they, that they don't argue. There's gotta be something, says the Gemara, they don't argue. And here's the difference, lokasha. It depends how many of the 10 people left apartment complex one and went to apartment complex two. Take a look at Rashi, the first of the very long lines of Rashi, all the way at the bottom of the page, if all of the people leave, so all 10 of the people from apartment complex one, nine non-Jews and one Jew, they leave and they go to apartment complex two, says Rashi, since all 10 people left, were therefore concerned that one of them is a Jew. So in apartment complex two, so then, yeah, we're going to be concerned. And going back into the Gemara, we can finish the rest on our own. But if, says the Gemara, if only some of the people left from apartment complex one and went to apartment complex two, there, the risk of it be being the Jew is even less. Yes, we know that one, one in 10 of those Jews was in the initial group, but when they move to the other courtyard, only some of the people transferred. So you have to do the math. We can't really do the math without the numbers, but the statistics are less now than, than 10%. And there, Rav Yochanan, so it's not a machlok, it's just different cases. And Rav Yochanan would say, in such a case, that you're not allowed to move any rubble. So the Gemara then says, hold on one second. Shmuel himself doesn't agree with this halacha. Shmuel himself doesn't agree that we don't look at statistics. Why not? Says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom, Shmuel hachi. 
Is this uh, such a possibility that we say statistics don't matter? Well, it's not in the Mishnah writes, Matzabatinok Mushlach. We see a child who's been left uh, left at the side. We have these like safe haven rules in, uh, in a number of hospitals, drop off for the God forbid scenarios where people are not able to take care of their children. So this, uh, you find a baby in a, in, a, in a car seat in the middle of nowhere, says the Gemara. Imrob Kusi Im Kusi. If the place where he's found uh, is is a place of mostly non-Jews, then we treat him like a kusi, right? We treat him to be like a like a non-Jew. Yisrael, Yisrael. And if he this is classic rules of called a parish, Meruba parish, that wherever the child came from, he likely came from within reason, the the, the local locale that's near him, and he's likely one of whatever the rove is. So Vimrov Yisrael, Yisrael. if the town is 50-50, also Yisrael. Okay. Then says the Gemara, Machlokes Amurayim. On this Mishnah, we have a Machlokes Rav and Shmuel. Amar Rav, Lo Shanu Our only obligation, as it relates to the status of this child, is that we have to keep him alive. We treat him like a Jew in that we have a burden to make sure he doesn't die. But for halachic status of is this person a Jew? Can she marry a Kohen if this is a girl, a baby girl when she grows up? Is she a Jew mamish through and through? So there Rav says, No, no, we're not really sure about the status of the child. So we bifurcate and we say, as it relates to the severity of life and death, we're obligated to sustain this child. As it relates to halachic status, can she marry a Kohen? Is she mamish a Yid? Not so pasha, we don't know. Shmuel, turning to the top of no, we're talking about we're talking about whether or not we're obligated to, um, to tend to this child in a case where, God forbid, there's a, a need to dig him out from somewhere. So do we say he's like a Jew, yes or no? So it seems to be that if he's a Jew, yes, and if he's a non-Jew, no. But that's very strange because... We should not be looking at that. We're not sure what the child is. There should be an element of risk that he might be a Jew and might not be a Jew. So, But the implication is that it's only if he's a Jew that we would save him. But if he wasn't a Jew, we wouldn't save him. So that should be a kasha and Shmuel, because all of this is said in the name of Shmuel. So it says the Gemara, ki itmar de Shmuel, the line at the very top of this page of Shmuel that says, that was talking about Aresha Itmar. He was talking about the first line of the Mishnah. What was the first line of the Mishnah? Says the Gemara line two, Imrov Kusim Kusi, that if most of the people who live in the neighborhood where the baby was found, so then we treat the child as if he's a Kusi. On that, Shmuel said, Omar Shmuel, Ule'inyan pikuach nefesh eno kain. But when it comes to pikuach nefesh, we do not treat that child to be like a goy. And we are obligated on Shabbos to move rubble, to dig, to do whatever we need to do to save this child's life. So this is Shmuel Lashitaso. Now the Gemara is going to go back and analyze the three lines of this Mishnah, the three lines of analysis, I should say the permutations of what this child could be. So here's what the Gemara says. Imrov kusi im kusi, when the Gemara says that if the majority of the community are non-Jews and the child is treated like a kusi, how, is the, how does that play out halachically? What does that mean? You're allowed to give this child nevela. You don't have to spend more money on the kosher meat. Shchita, malicha, much more expensive. We all know that. We drive by these signs all the time. Two sandwiches for $4. That's like the lettuce on the bread. That's nothing. It doesn't compare at all to our food. And then you go to any restaurant you want. We're not picking on any of them. It, no sandwich is under $10. I don't think there is such a thing. I, whatever. Two for 15 is already a deal. 
So here it's much cheaper to give the kid a nevela. And here, rov kusi and kusi. So legabe nevela, we treat the child like a kusi. Then the Gemara says, what was the next statement of our Mishnah? The next permutation was, im rov Yisrael Yisrael. That if the majority of the community where the baby was found was Jewish, we treat the child like a Jew. In what way? That we have the din of Ashalas Aveda that applies to this child. When he gets older, if he loses something, we're obligated. We have a mitzvah to do Ashalas Aveda. What about Mechzal, Mechzal Yisrael? What does it mean that if the community is 50-50, half Jewish, half not Jewish, that uh, we treat him like a Yisrael in my Hilchasa? So I'm a Reish Lakish, Le-Nizakin. We treat him like a Jew in regards to Nizikin. So this is a very interesting halacha. That let's say that a person has a shore, they have, a, a, um, they have a, an ox, and the ox is a short tom. We're going to learn about this more in other Masechtas, but it's an, a, considered to be a non-violent animal. It has up to two um, violent deaths. It's not considered a shore, um, shore muad, a dangerous animal. So the halacha is that if a, um, if a Jew's animal kills another Jew's animal, then he's obligated to pay chatzinezek. If a non-Jew kills a Jew's animal, then the non-Jew is obligated to pay nezek shalim. So it's twice as much, full cost versus half cost. So now let's see how this plays out. Hey, Chidami, what's the case? Says the Gemara, nine lines down or so on If the non-Jewish, uh, no, if the Jewish owner's animal gored the non-Jewish owner's animal. So Nasi, uh, Nasi Raiv and Ishkel, we'll have to look at the halachic status. We see, oh, you're Mechzal, Mechzal, we treat you like Israel. So we have to pay you whatever you deserve as a Jew. You have to pay whatever you deserve. So Chatzin Nezek. Lotzricha says the Gemara, the case we must be dealing with over here is the case is where the non-Jew's animal gored the Jewish animal. Now, if he's a Yisrael, then he only has to pay half. So therefore, palga yahivle. Immediately, he pays the chati nezek because the Mishnah said, in this case, this child was a mechzal mechza, a Jew, and he's like a Yisrael, and a Jew only has to pay chati nezek. And then says the Gemara, idach palga, <clears throat> the other half, that maybe that this guy, this baby, who was a half and half, right? We don't know exactly what he was. Idach palga, the other half, name he's going to say, I see raya de lav Yisrael ana ushkol. Once you can prove halachically, that I'm a goy, you can have your nezek shalem. But until that time, you can't take money out of my hand. All we know right now is I'm that baby from the from the car seat from 25 years ago. And the halacha is that I'm a mechzal mechza Jew. I'm treated like Yisrael. So therefore, I only owe you chati nezek. Had I been a goy doraisa, mamish, through and through, I would owe you nezek shalem. So if you can prove that I'm a goy doraisa, I'm going to give you more. So that's what the Gemara says here in analyzing the Mishnah. <clears throat> about the baby, which was called the Tinok Mushlach, the baby who was left out uh, to fend for himself, we treat him like Yisrael in regards to Chatzin Nezek, and he is not considered a Goido Raisa yet, not without a Raya. Says the Gemara, in eerie form, Mishanofa Lalav Mapolis, as our Mishnah already hinted to, here are some of the details. My Ka'amar should be obvious. So says the Gemara, Lomi Boya Ka'amar. Why is our Mishnah even talking about this? Of course, if a building falls, you do anything you can to save a life on Shabbos, not on Shabbos, doesn't make a difference. So says the Gemara, Lomi Boya Kamar. No, I'm, I'm teaching you a Chiddush. Lomi Boya, I don't need, me to, need you to tell me, Safek Husham, Safek Enosham, Di'i Hu that I'm not sure if he's there or if he isn't there, but I know that he's alive. That, that case is Pashat, obviously. Even if I'm not even sure if he's alive, obviously the halacha should be dig away, do anything you can. That's one thing that was learned. And the second, third of the way down, and I don't even know, that case is obvious. Maybe uh, maybe he's alive, maybe he's not alive, and he's a Yid. 
have a double suffix. Normally a double suffix is a svek sveka. Suffix that he's even there. And even if he's there, maybe he's a goy. He says, yeah, yeah, you're Mechal Shabbos. We don't even talk about that. That's the, that's the ABCs. If there's a building and there's a possibility that there's a Jew in the building and the building fell, dig and dig and dig without stopping until every until everyone is uh, is uncovered. And it's not, it's, the Chiddush is that you shouldn't make the error in assuming that the person had to be alive for you to search. He, he might even be dead, we don't know. And then the second layer is that even if he is... <clears throat> A suffix chai suffix mace, and even if it's a suffix kusi suffix yehudi, you don't stop looking. But let's say the the, the practicality would be, and this is not uh, very PC, but the practicality would be is that if you knew for sure that every last person in the building was a kusi, then halacha is it's ein mefakchenes agal. Then you're not allowed to to clear the rubble. Now there might be heter mishum eva. There are like maybe secondary reasons. That's why hatzala. When I worked on hatzala, we took calls on Shabbos all the time. And sometimes a guy would call. And halacha is mishum eva. You're supposed to take the call, 100%. And if the call came in that way, Hatzalah would take the call and they would be mechal Shabbos, bifar hesia, lifnei anva eda. And that would be appropriate. But if you knew, beveirur, that every last person in the building was a, was a kusi, so then you could not be mefakech asaga. So the chedesh here is that when there's a suffix yehudi and suffix kusi, you're still supposed to do, obviously. It should be obvious. Okay, so that brings us to the two dots here. Says the Gemara, Mitzauhu Chai Mefakhin. If we find the person is still alive, of course we dig to un uh, to unbury the person. Mitzauhu Chai Pshita. What kind of question is that? He's trapped under cement. You know what? Let's wait till after Shabbos. It's ridiculous. What does the Gemara even mean? Says the Gemara, a beautiful, beautiful idea. Even if his injuries are are terminal, there's no way he's going to live. But you can keep him alive just for a few more minutes. Your Mechal Shabbos for that. Doesn't make a difference. A few more moments. As long as the Neshama can stay in the body, Suffolk, even out the Suffolk of, we would still be Mechal Shabbos because every moment is worth living in that capacity. And one can be Mechal Shabbos under those circumstances. If a person uh, is definitely dead, and let's say it's the only person in the building, no need to dig anymore. Why would we Why would we move the Mesi? There's nothing to do. We know that he has unfortunately passed away. Lotzricha says the Gemara, it must be that we're speaking about the following sheet of Rabbi Huda ben Lakish. What does Rabbi Huda ben Lakish say? If Rahmana Litzlan, there's a mace in a building, we do not remove the mace from the building if the building catches on fire. Amar of Yehuda ben Lakish, I'm not sure that's true. Shamati, he says, I heard. So uh, maybe the reason why we have in our case over here, the reason why our Gemara has to make mention of it is because you might have been tempted to remove the body one way or the other. So we had to be clear that if it's mace, you have to leave the body just like we would. And then says the Gemara, the only reason why we needed to say anything is because Adam is bahul al mesa. You can't reason with someone under those circumstances. If a person wants to take their mace from the, it's very hard to reason with someone under those circumstances, but it's not a halachic consideration per se. The, the body is muksa and says the Gemara in regards to the fire, that if, there, if we don't allow him to, to, pull, uh, to pull the body of the mace out of the building that's on fire, there we're concerned of sharis, uh, ilo sharisle, then asi lechabuye, put out the fire. Aval hacha, in our case, ilo sharisle, mayasile le mevad. If you don't let him, there's no isr deraisi he could violate. That We know where the mace is. He's unfortunately passed away. If he moves the body, it's the nisr derabonan of tiltul. It's nisr derabonan of muktzah. 
fine, but it's not an Isra Doraisa. Nevertheless, all of this concern is because of an Adam is Bahul al Mesa, which is, of course, emotionally completely reasonable. What is one's burden of obligation to check if a person is alive or dead? What are the thresholds? How do we determine mace and not mace? So says the Gemara as follows, a little bit more than halfway down, This is like so eerie, just living in the time that we're living in and seeing all the reports that we're seeing. This is, um, says the Gemara, up until his nose, namely up until the point that we can measure whether or not the, the person is breathing. That we have to be able to see his heart. Some say it actually means a little bit lower, that it means his navel, his belly button. If they checked and they found that the people on the top of the rubble had unfortunately passed away, we are not allowed to assume that those who are underneath have perished. We have to assume that they're still alive and we're Machal Shabbat accordingly. There was an actual story back in the times of the Gemara. And we found that the people, they found that the people at the top of the rubble had unfortunately died, but those who were underneath, they lived in a pocket, whatever it was, they were, they were, they lived in a, in, in a difficult circumstance, but they hadn't died yet. So says the Gemara, maybe this machlokes uh, from a few lines ago about whether or not we, um, we measure death from the chotem, from the nose, or if we measure it from the heart slash belly button, whichever one is uh, the shita. Maybe we should say the machlokas is connected. The Tanya, the Brisa writes, from where is a, um, a baby in utero? Where does his body build first? So one shita says, he builds from his head. You took me from my mother's womb, gozi, like from the word goze, sheared, I was shorn, I was taken out of. But from where the Omer Gazini Zrech in regards to um, in regards to a nausea, the language of removing the hair is Gazi. So we see that the hair is on the head, so it must be the Gazi's talking about the head. But Abishal Omer Mitiburo, no, the baby first starts to create from the belly button. And then the body grows from there and sprouts out into the other uh, elements of the body. So it says the Gemara Labdafka that this is a connected machlokes tanoim. That over here, how was the baby created? Was it the, the Rosh first or was it the Tibor first? That's not necessarily connected to our case. So we measure death by the Chotem or we measure death by the by the Lave. Why not? Says the Gemara, three fourth breaths of the way down. Afilu Tema Abashom. We could even say, like Abba He says, no, it's just one thing has nothing to do with the other. One's measuring life and death in regards to who's still alive. And the other is asking a different question of how the, how the, how the, how the embryo builds out. And because he was of the opinion that in regards to Yitzira, everything creates from the center. So that's belly button. Everyone agrees that when it comes to life and death, we don't measure life and death from the belly button. That that, that, that doesn't make sense. We measure from uh, from the nose. Then says the Gemara, uh, somewhat graphically, it depends how you find the mace. The only machlokas that ever exists is if you find feet first and you, you're able to uncover the body from the feet first toward the head, from the bottom of the body to the top. Then you uncover the stomach first before you get to the head. And under those circumstances, it's hard to tell who's alive. Then do we say stop at the belly button or do we say go up to the face to see if he's still breathing? If, if we reveal first the head of a person, 
Since we were able to check the person to see if they were breathing, we were able to access their nose. At that point, you don't have to do any more. Ooh, that's a lot of that's a lot. Says the Gemara, last short line on Peheim et Aleph. They were traveling together. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria. Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria. Belevi, and there's a girsa change here. Belevi Hasirod. He was part of the family that made the big day Hasirod. Okay. Belevi Hasirod, Rabbi Yishmael, Beno. The two of them, Beno Shal, Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria, were traveling into Mahalchan Acharehem. So these two people, Levi and Rabbi Shmuel ben Osher, Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria, asked these three gedolim, these three great tanoim, What's the basic marimakom? How do we know that you're allowed to be mechal Shabbos for pikuach nefesh? The Gemara is going to present six answers, five of them from tanoim, and one of them from an Amora. Let's go. Says the Gemara, Ne'ena Rabbi Shmuel. He was the first one to answer. But he said, I'm going to learn it from another halachic sugya in Shas, a sugya that's referred to as Babimach Teres. In full color in Maseches Sanhedrin, we will get there. Says the Gemara, Ve'amar, and he says as follows, five lines from the bottom. In Bimach Teres, you might say Haganam. This is a Pasuk that, that references that if a person is willing to tunnel into your home, the halacha is you're allowed to kill the person who's, tun- who's tunneling into your home. Says the Gemara. We don't know why this guy's digging into your house. It's a suffix. Maybe he's coming to steal some artwork and maybe he's coming to kill you. We don't know. We have no idea. Suffix on life. And and the land and causes for the Shekhinah to leave. And even there, where we're besuffic, so that's answer number one, is that because we um, we navigate the suffix of the case of Baba Machteris by saying that we're still Nitan Lasil Banafsha, that you can still kill the person who's coming into your home. Kalvachomer, therefore, Pikuach Nefesh, one is obligated to break Shabbos. You're allowed to kill, then you're allowed to break Shabbos, that's for sure. So that was answer number one. Answer number two. If a person uh, makes a plan to kill one of their friends, so then the halacha is they should be taken from the Mizbeach to be killed. So what's going on here? First, let's make a drasha. Last line of Peheim et Aleph says the Gemara, from next to the Mizbech, namely if the Kohen is the one, potentially, he was the one who did the killing, potentially. We'll see exactly how this plays out in a moment. But if they need him to put him on trial, so they pull him only if he's near the Mizbech. But once he's on top of the Mizbech doing the Avodah, then they wait. So then says the Gemara, hold on one second. When is this halacha true that we take him only from the side of the Mizbech and not from the top? That's when we're putting him on trial to kill him. Aval says the Gemara, if the reason why they need the Kohen is not because he's on trial, but because he's a witness and could save someone's life, then even afilu me'al Mizbechi, we don't mess around. We take him off of the of the Mizbech so that he can be brought into the trial as an aide. The Kohen might have seen something. And that's a suffix. We're not exactly sure. We're not sure if the words of the Kohen are, are, are able to actually be meaningful. The avoda docha Shabbos, and we know that the avoda is docha Shabbos, and we still interrupt that process. So now that's answer number two. First case, Baba Machteris. 
Second case, Me'im Mizbechi. Answer number three. Four lines down, Pehei Amid Beis. Ne'ne Rebbe Eliezer, Rebbe Elazar, Be'amar, Umamila, Shehi Echad Mimasayim, Be'arbaim Ushmona Evarim, Shebe'adam Doches HaShabbes. Ka'a v'chomer l'chol, Gufo Shadoches HaShabbes. Very simple svara. Although it's a little strange because we don't assume that there are 248 limbs. We I know we say it in a colloquial way, but we usually say that there's 206 bones in the body in the secular language. It's, there aren't 248 actual limbs. And in fact, some of the Mephorshim changed the language here, that it really should just be if for one limb you're allowed to be so then that's for sure. That's for sure that should be the case. A difficult svara. One is it Sivoy Doraisa. They're not exactly matched up. Okay, that's answer number three. Let's try answer number four. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda, Omer, as Shab Sosai, Tishmori, you should protect my Shabbos, Yachol Lakol. Maybe we should protect it to the point of of Lakol. (coughs) Take a look at Rashi on line four. That you should keep Shabbos all the way to the nth degree, even if you need to die. That it's not true, that we do have a line in the sand. Where, whereby we say that it's no longer appropriate to keep Shabbos. If there's pikuach nefesh, there's pikuach nefesh. And then the whole conversation is over, that we don't keep Shabbos anymore. Excuse me. The next answer says the Gemara, Rav son ben Yosef, Omer, ki kodesh hilachem. Shabbos is kodesh, him is surah Great language. The Torah was given to you, a Shabbos was given to you. And you are not put into the hand of Shabbos. So if, you, you don't have to die to keep Shabbos. You, are, you have to do a lot. You have to be, you have to be Moser Nefesh. And back in the day, people had to lose jobs every Saturday. But now it's a little easier on that front. But it's still, it can be hard to keep Shabbos at times. There are challenges. Baruch Hashem, it's a tremendous respite from the craziness of the week, but below Atem is Surim, let's see answer number, uh, what is this, answer number six, here, yeah, there are actually seven answers, answer number six, Reb Shimon ben Menasi, Omer, Bisham Ruben Yisrael, Sashabas, that's a famous Pasuk, Omra Torah, Chila Lalav Shabbos Achas, Kedesh Yishmor Shabbos, Osharbe, very complex halachic Gemara, but we violate one Shabbos to enable a person to keep many other Shabboses in the future. How exactly does that play out? Okay, these are halachic shilas to be discussed. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Now Shmuel we know is an Amora. So we heard six answers from Tanoim. And here is an answer from an Amora. What does Shmuel say? Ihavoi hasam. If only I had been there, I would have given a different answer. Habamina, didia, difamididu. I would have thought my answer was better than all of theirs. They're all Tanoim. What can I do? I'm an Amora, but I think my answer is better than theirs. Uh, what does he say? Why are we all, all of these svaras? There's a suffix if he's coming to take your money or coming to take your life. This whole concocted, this is so easy. It says the Gemara, Amar Rava, two lines into the wide lines, one third of the way down, Pei Hei Amid Beis. Amar Rava, Lekul Hu Islu Pircha, Barmi Deshmul Delesle Pircha. All of the previous six answers have pirchas on them. They all have challenges to them. Namely, I could undo all of the answers, except for Shmuel's. Shmuel's answer I can't undo. And the Gemara is going to sample a few of the ones that it can undo. Remember where we started. 
we started with the case of Baba Machteris, and we said that there was a suffix of whether or not the guy tunneling in wanted to kill you or steal your money. So says the Gemara, let's take a look at Rabbi Shmuel's answer. The Rabbi Shmuel, Dilma Kidarava. Maybe we hold that that sugya is seen through the lens of Rava. How does Rava see that world? Dilma Rava, my time of Demachteris. Why are we allowed to kill the person who's tunneling in? It's not because of a suffix, it's because of a chazaka. Chazaka ain't adam mamid atzmo al mamono that a person is going to take a stand on his money, but uh, only to a degree. The guy tunneling in knows that he may come face to face with the owner. The Omar, and we put words into the mouth of the digger, the guy who's tunneling in. That if I see that guy, I'm going to have no choice but to kill him. Oh. So says the Gemara, you wanted to build a Kalvachomer. That just like by Baba Machteris, there was a suffake and therefore we could kill. So certainly when there's a suffake Bikoch Nefashos, we should violate Shabbos. Says the Gemara, that's not how Rava saw the case. Rava saw the case not as a suffake, but as a chazaka. Totally different. And you can't build your Kalvachomer for a suffake Bikoch Nefashos from here, says the Gemara, Ashkechan Vadai. The way that Rava learns the Sugya Baba Machteris, it's not a case of Suffolk, it's a case of Vadai. Suffolk Midalan, rhetorically. What, what kind of case of Suffolk was that? So we rejected that first answer. Rabbi Akiva Nami. What was Rabbi Akiva's case? That was the case of the, um, uh, that where a person couldn't uh, contrive to kill somebody. So fine, let's see what happens over here. Rabbi Akiva Nami, Dilma Kide Abaye, maybe that whole sugya is seen through the lens of Abaye. Dhamma Abaye, Masrin and Lezuga de Rabbanon, they uh, take a couple of rabbis, a pair of rabbis, Leda Imamish Bidvarab, to see if the testimony of the Kohen actually has veracity. And then when we pull the Kohen off of the Mizbech, it's not a suffix, it's a Vadai. They did the research on the material, all the evidence is checked in. And they see this is real. This is a real aid. It's a real witness. So that's not Suffolk. So then, uh, Suffolk Manala. Huh? So we undid answer number two. But the Gemara doesn't go any further. It just says, the Kulhu Ashkechan Vadai, Suffolk Manala. And in all of the cases, I could reframe them. I could come at it from another angle and tell you that the first six answers, I could all undercut, pull the carpet out from under them. None of them are cases of Suffolk. They're all cases of Vadai, in which case I can't build my Kalvachomer. Ude Shmuel says the Gemara, two lines before the new Mishnah. Shmuel vadai lesle pircha says the Gemara in a poetic tone. It's better to have one very sharp flavored pepper than a large basket filled with gourds. A little bit insulting. I don't know. Sounds a little bit. Uh... Maybe it's just a compliment, we should say. It's just a big compliment to Shmuel, uh, who was a generation out from the Tanoim, who was able to think in a way and come up with an answer that maybe was less sophisticated in its uh, mental gymnastics, but halachically the simplest. So Pasha, that when a person comes at a crossroads, of course you break Shabbos. Of course, Pikuach Nefashos always wins. New Mishnah, halfway down, Peham and Bez, we're going to go until about five or six lines before the end of the page, four lines before the end of the page. Shmuel, what? It's not targeted to Shabbos. Correct. Absolutely right. Yeah. In a way, but you, you don't have to even say that. 
they were making a call of to answer the question. The case of Baba Machteris is not a Shabbos case. So there was a case of Suffolk, and they said, we can kill the guy based on a Suffolk. Good. So I can say that about 100 things that I can now violate Shabbos and Yom Kippur, and you know, I could violate a lot of halachas. They framed it in regards to Shabbos because the questioners, Levi and the other person, I'm blanking on his name right now, the two people who were walking with Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel, they, they asked about Shabbos, but all of those other svaras were not Shabbos specific, except that the questioner asked that question, right? The Chaybam is also general, but it, it just wasn't specifically labeled that way. Now we're getting into the meat and potatoes of what we enjoy most about Yom Kippur, which is a guarantee of tshuva. And this Mishnah speaks about some of the korbanos and some of the practical elements of getting kapara, of generating kapara for ourselves, if anything at all needs to be done on Yom Kippur. Uh, and we're going to start it here with this Mishnah. Chatas ve'asham v'adai mechaper. Everyone knows that a korban chatas and an asham, v'asham v'adai, excuse me, mechaper. Two different korbanos, right? So if you do a chatas or an asham v'adai, those are mechaper. Misa, if Rahman al-Etzlan, a person dies, v'yom ha'kippurim, the day of Yom Kippur, mechaperim, Im hachuba. That's why they say we never know when our last days. Everyone should do vidui every day. Should say vidui every once in a while. Chuva mechaperas al averos kalos. Just chuva alone works for averos kalos al asay ve'alos asay. An avera kala is a bittel asay. Forgot the word tefillin, right? Or intentionally didn't word tefillin ve'alos asay. You violated a nisur doraisa, but not any old nisur doraisa. Just lower level ones ve'al hachamuros who tola ad sheyavo yom kippur mechaper. The Averis that are more chamuras, the Averis that have with them the Mephorshim explain an Isr Kares or an Onus of, an, an onus of Kares or an Onus of Misa. Those are the ones that are more chamur. So if you want to eat a piece of Nevela, so that's a losase, just with Tshuva alone, you can get Kapara for that. But if you do something like uh, eating on Yom Kippur, so that you need Yom Kippur for. You can't, that's not stop. I mean, not, not, I don't know if that same Yom Kippur would be so helpful. I don't know how the, what the mechanics are, but uh, so says the Gemara, hopefully the person will live out the year because their only kapara can come about for these major isurim that have an onish of Misa or Karis can only come about on Yom Kippur. Ha'omer ashuv. A person says, all right, I'll do an Avera, but I'll do tshuva. I know when I get to Shachar's tomorrow, when I get to Mincha later, I'll, I'll clap, I'll chait. Everything's going to be fine. So a person who plans out in advance, that's rishos. That's not right. He won't even be given the opportunity to do tshuva. We should try in all of our failures to not do so. In all of our failures, they should always just be uh, errors of shogeg. <clears throat> then says the Gemara, and with a variation on the theme, a person says, I'm going to do an Avera, and Yom Kippur will help me. Then in those cases, no, it's not a game. It's not some kind of like, you know, a board game. You're dealing with life and death issues here. So we can't uh, be so uh, so frivolous about Averas. Says the Gemara, this we know. That Averis between us and a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Yom Kippur helps for that. Averis Shevinanam Lechaveru, but if Rachmano Litzlan, there was a, a type of interaction that generated an Aver between one person and another, in Yom Kippur Mechapra Shiraz Eschaveru, that a person is obligated to get Ritzui, they're obligated to get uh, forgiveness from their friend. Where does this come from? Dara Shabalaz Ben Azari, Mikol Chatosechem, Lifne Hashem Titaru, Averis Shevinanam Lamakam, Yom Kippur Mechaper, Averis Shevinanam Lechaveru, in Yom Kippur Mechapra Shiraz Eschaveru. Same exact language, strange presentation in the we would have thought the drasha would have come first. It didn't. Uh, uh, reasons might be presented in the Rishonim about that. End of the Mishnah, a very famous Mishnah. Rabbi Akiba, Yisrael. How how happy, how blessed are the Jews? Lifne <laughs> who, 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 who do you stand before that makes you tahor? Who makes you tahor? 
Avichem Shabashamayim. You know that a Kodesh Baruch who makes us uh, Tahar, that on Yom Kippur we get Kapara. Shene'amar v'zarakti alechem mayim tehorim utartem. That a Kodesh Baruch will sprinkle water on us and we will become Tahar. The Omer, and the Pasuk also says, Mikvah Yisrael Hashem. Ma mikvah metar Just like a mikvah, when a person who is Tameh at the right time goes into the mikvah and they can become a Tahar, they can totally transfer. So in, from Tuma to Tatara. Uh, that when it comes to Yom Kippur, that a person can get tshuva. The Gemara digs in with a quick diuk. It's a, a blaring omission in our Mishnah. You included a chatas and an asham vadai. What about a case of an asham talui? An asham talui, that should have worked, but it seems like, uh, like it's left out of the Mishnah. There's no kapara there. So says the Gemara, 10 lines from the bottom of the page, give or take. That's not possible, though, because by asham talui, by kapara ksibabe. The Pasuk says by an asham talui that there is kapara. So you've left room for a diuk. That's not so good. So how does that work? Says the Gemara, hanach mechapre kapara gemura. When it comes to a korban of a chatas and an asham vadai, so then it's, uh, you get a kapara gemura. Asham talui, ain't mechaper kapara gemura. But when it comes to an asham talui, what is an Asham Talui? You're not sure if you did an Avera. So you're not sure. So you do the best you can. But like, is it a clean slate? You might have done an Isser Doraisa. And if in fact you reveal at a later point that you actually did the Isser B'Shogeg, you need to go back and bring a Korban Chatas. The Asham Talui is what you do in an absence of, no, I don't know. I might have done the Isser. I'm not sure. I don't know if I broke the threshold. Fine. So it says, that's answer number one. Inami says the Gemara, Hanach in Acher Mechaper Kaparasan. The, in regards to the chatas and the asham vadai, nothing else is needed. That generates the kapara alone. However, asham talui acher mechaper kaparasam. When it comes to an asham talui, a person's not sure if they violated an avera. So then other things do take place. It's not as the Mishnah writes. When a person is obligated to bring a korban chatas or an asham vadai, and they forgot to bring it before Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur passes by. The halacha is chayavin. They're still obligated to bring the korbanos, namely the kapara is not generated through Yom Kippur. It's generated through the Korban. So you have to bring the Korban Chatas and you have to bring the Asham Vadai. However, Asham of Tuluyin Peturin. But when it comes to an Asham Talui, so then the Halacha is that your Pater. Last Gemara for the night. Sorry for the longer shear, just a longer dot. Says the Gemara, Misa Yom Kippur Mechaper Mimachuva, that uh, our Mishnah had said that death, Rachman uh, al and Yom Kippur give a person Chuva, uh, sorry, they are Mechaper with, along with Chuva, Imachuva in, Bifne Atzmolo, but death alone is not Mechaper. Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur alone is not Mechaper. That's what the Diuk is, Imachuva in, yes, only if you do Chuva, Bifne Atzman lo. But if, if Misa and Yom Kippur happen on themselves, maybe not. Nema de lo Karebi. Maybe with this inference, we should assume that our mission is not like the opinion of Rebbe. The Tanya, the Brisa writes, Rebbe Omer, al kol averos with all of the uh, with all of the averos in the Torah, bein asa tshuva, bein lo asa tshuva, yom akipur mechaper. Tshuva is not me'akiv. Yom Kippur can take Yom Kippur can take care of everything itself. except for someone who rejects uh, the the corpus of halacha. They don't believe in Torah. They're disrespectful. These, these all are nuanced terms that require more uh, commentary. No time now. a reference to inappropriate behavior. So it seems from here that our Mishnah can't be like Rebbe because Rebbe says that Yom Kippur is mechaper even without tshuva. Says the Gemara. Tshuva baya Yom if a person did tshuva by itself, so then by Yom Kippur, he still needs to wait for Yom Kippur. 
uh, Yom Kippurim, but if you have Yom Kippur without tshuva, so then lo baya tshuva, then Yom, Kippur, Yom Kippurim does work by itself. But just to be clear, there is a machlokas about how to read this line. The art scroll has a long arichus on this. It's not a simple few words. I translated it quickly. Um, but that this is one of the explanations that it says that tshuva by Yom Kippur, that if you do tshuva, you still need Yom Kippur. But if you hit Yom Kippur without having done tshuva, then you're still going to get kapara. We're going to stop right here at, uh, at tshuva, at the four lines from the bottom, wishing you all a beautiful night. Thank <laughs> you.